ho, 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 and welcome to the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, certainly some MLB teams this offseason have gotten some quote-unquote presents under the Christmas tree this year. Some big-time free agent signings have been made. We had an update a couple of weeks ago about some of the big-time contracts that have already happened. But, you know, as the MLB season has gone and how the offseason has gone so far, you know, we had a lot more free agent signings happen. And now this MLB season looks to be a really great one upcoming. Yeah, this is our second check-in of the uh, of the offseason. Still waiting for those winter meetings to start. But before those meetings do start, there's been a lot of news in between those last two weeks. and. I want to get started off to talk about Xander Bogarts going to the Padres. Now, I thought him and Aaron Judge were going to end up teaming up somewhere in the West Coast. I was going to say West Coast. I was going to say the Giants, but Xander does go to the West Coast. It goes to the Padres. Is this a dig at Tatis? Well, this is a, this is funny because when we signed off a couple of weeks ago, Xander Bogarts, you know, was still a free agent. No, there was news that he was probably going to go back to the Red Sox, and a couple hours later, after we had signed off. He there was the the notification that he signed with the San Diego Padres, eleven years, two hundred and eighty million dollars he gets from San Diego, a massive contract for him. I don't think it's necessarily a dig at Tatis. This this basically says that Tatis is going to move to the outfield once he comes back from his suspension. But realistically, this move is a monster move for San Diego because it puts them in an even bigger spot than they were going into the you know this offseason. They you know made the NLCS lost to the Phillies. Now you add a big time star in Bogarts to help you know solidify that offense. This is a great move for San Diego and for Boston, a huge loss for that team. They are in deep trouble the way this offseason has gone. I'm not sure what their you know strategy has been, but the way they handled this negotiation tactic with Xander Bogarts definitely did not look good on the organization. And for San Diego, they get a super you know I don't want to say a superstar, but they definitely get a star to help you know fill another need that they had. Obviously, they were in on Aaron Judge. They were in on Trey Turner. They at least get Bogarts to help this offense. Let's see what else they do as the next couple of months go on. But San Diego is definitely smiling after this. Yeah, now when you said go to the outfield, I was thinking in my head, oh, he just probably play second base. Uh, but they have Jake Cronenworth, which is a yep. fantastic addition or a fantastic player right there already. So you can have a lineup of Cronenworth, Bogarts, Machado and Tatis. Imagine that hitting core, let's say two through five. That's going to be a, a opposing pitcher's worst nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I would, if I'm an NL team, I do not want to face that lineup. That is. I don't want to be in the NL West at all. That is yeah. a scary, scary lineup. This is essentially the Padres are saying, listen, we're tired of being the number two to the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a move to help them get into that position to, you know, Say, listen, we're not going to be, you know, second fiddle. We're this is our time to finally get past you. We beat you in the playoffs. Now we're going to try to keep that going for the next couple of seasons. And Bogarts definitely will help that. Now this has to be championship or bust for them because there's the rumors of Machado not coming back has to hurt a lot. They get the. Uh, it seems like the window's kind of shortening. As stupid as that sounds, with how young of a team this is. But it seems like they're trying to go all in and win a championship this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, they've made some big time moves already this offseason. Got Bogarts, you know, they got Seth Lugo, the former New York Met. 
He's most likely going to be filling in as a starter type of role for them, which would help that rotation. They've had some, you know, not good depth issues in the bottom end of the rotation. So getting Lugo definitely helps. And then if worst case scenario, he needs to go to the bullpen. He's still a pretty solid reliever for that team. So that's also a good signing. And they also signed Matt Carpenter today to help, you know, get some big time at bats when needed. Now credit. In the postseason, Matt Carpenter for the Yankees did not really have a great postseason per se, but he was a monster for the Yankees in the regular season. If they can get that same type of Matt Carpenter throughout the entire season, then it really helps San Diego in the sense they have a great opportunity to get back to the NLCS, and for them, they're hoping to get even further than that. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, Padre is definitely a contender in the NL, uh, probably in the MLB landscape as a whole. Boston, it's been a very, very rough off season for them. It seems like they're going to be gunning for fifth now in the alleys. Nick, I know you're a really big fan of that, but <laughs> with Baltimore rising up, with Toronto being solid, with Tampa Bay always being good, and with the Yankees star-studded lineup, uh, you have to say Boston probably wins about 70 games max this year. Boston, yeah. Miracle. They're they're looking like they're going to be in rebuilding phase. The biggest question for them right now is what is this, the situation with Rafael Devers? That's really their next big domino. And, and you know, him. and the, the, the issue now, the thing is for Boston with them not signing Bogarts. Now they could probably give Devers a little bit more money to you know sign him long term. But the question is, is Devers going to want to do that considering what the shape of this team currently is? They're not in any shape or fashion going to be competing for a World Series anytime soon. They're going to be rebuilding for the next couple of seasons, it looks like. So they really need to figure out what is this best scenario for them with Rafael Devers. Only time's going to tell. But as you said, I'm not going to complain. I hate the Red Sox. Yeah, can you imagine uh, Devers as a Yankee? I know it won't happen, but can you imagine how much I that would love great? Rafael Devers as a Yankee. Can you imagine playing that infield? It could be him. It can be... Uh, uh, I, I know Volpe you don't want Ike short. there. Yeah, um, you want Volpe there instead. You could put um, Cabrera at second. I don't, I, you have Rizzo at first. It would be That would be unbelievable, but it, I, it's very unlikely. Uh, very unlikely, and I want to talk about uh, or stay on shortstops. Let's talk about uh, Carlos Correa going to the Giants. However, he failed his physical, so that press conference and that contract signing isn't going to happen yet, but uh, barring a major catastrophe for the Giants, Correa is going to be a Giant unless uh, some pretty unforeseen medical issues, and so we hope he gets well. This is a major signing for, uh, for San Francisco. They're another team that kind of struck out on a lot of free agents, and is this a panic signing? I don't think it's necessary. I think if there's any type of panic towards this deal, it's the amount of years they gave Correa. You gave him a 13-year contract. He's going to be 41 or 42 years of age at the end of this deal. So that is really the kicker in this. The Giants definitely needed a star-studded player. They don't really have that face-of-the-franchise type of guy on their team. So getting a guy like Correa was huge. Now, obviously, they miss out on Aaron Judge. They miss out on a couple other free agents in this offseason. So it's really been tough for them. They did get Mitch Hanniger to help their off narrow field in their offense. Getting Correa is going to help. Correa had a type of Aaron Judge season in the sense of, you know, he took a one-year contract to bet on himself so that he could get a big-time deal. And that's exactly what he did. He gets a 13-year, $350 million contract with the Giants. But San Francisco, now they have to worry. Because if this failed physical harms them, then it really can, you know harm the entire contract as a whole, and it's going to, you know, potentially keep Correa as a free agent and maybe, you know, 
other teams will try to poach him. Now, obviously, the Giants are going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't happen because they really need a type of player like him. They have an aging shortstop in Brandon Crawford. So getting Correa would be huge for this offense. Giants, obviously, last year missed the postseason. They want to get back to the postseason. A move like this definitely will help, but the injury definitely is a concern. Now, I was going to say one thing about the uh, about the San Francisco Giants. It seems like, and this is not only a dig at them, all these free agents are getting money past their prime. It seems like almost every uh, free agent is going to go out kind of like Miggy, a big free agent, where they're going to be good for the first half of that contract, and the last couple of years are going to be serviceable at best. Um, I don't know why the MLB landscape is like that nowadays. I don't know who was really the uh, the predecessor of the first guy really get that large contract. It could have been Mickey at that point, but um, uh, you, you look at guys like Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, I mean it's those type of deals because look at how they ended their contracts. Most of the time, they don't end up on the same team. A Rod obviously retired. Pujols never finished his contract with the Angels. Miguel Cabrera is still in the Tigers now, but that contract is going to be done at the end of this season once he retires. So these type of contracts are very, very dangerous because, as we said, Correa is going to be 41, 42 years of age when the contract is over. So the question is going to be, is he going to be a lifetime giant? We don't know. I doubt it's, it. Oh, I, it's really going to depend on how the Giants do these next you know, five, six seasons with him at the top of the, you know, the, top of the helm because he's going to be that face Unless... that's going to attract free agents. Unless he brings San Francisco World Series and they keep him around just for show, I don't think he'll be a giant by the time he's like 37 years old. I I don't want to disagree with you. I think it really depends on how they do the next two or three years first because they have to get to that point where they're being competitive and that they can get they can make a run and they can sign free agents. That's what it that's when it starts. The right. question is can they keep that going after that? I am not sure. Because there's obviously players are going to get up there in age. They're going to start regressing. So it's really going to come down to can the Giants in the first two to three years of this contract, you know, make some noise in the NL, get back to the postseason and say, listen, we're going to try to make another run like we've done in the 2010s. But we need one more guy, maybe two more people to join alongside Correa to, you know, help them. They did lose a big time free agent, which we'll get to in a little bit. But this is definitely a good move for their offense. They're going to need some more moves potentially to you know help their pitching. But we'll have to see what they do in the next couple weeks. But the last big free agent shortstop that signed Johnson was Dansby Swanson. A big-time move for him. He's not going back to the Atlanta Braves. He is Very now happy about that. a Chicago Cub. I am sure you are happy about that. I no He's- longer have to see this man in my, uh, in my division anymore and he can go. Waste his career in the Central Division and uh, you know go for 80 wins a season. Hey, listen, this is a great move for Chicago. I mean, seven years, $177 million. This is realistically not a bad contract for both sides. Swanson gets paid. The Cubs get a big-time player to pair up with Nico Horner in the middle infield. It really a puzzling thing for the Atlanta Braves. They essentially just let him walk for nothing. And now they're going to be, again, in a situation where they're going to have to find that next... I guess, quote-unquote, Dansby Swanson to see who's going to be the next player that helps them potentially win a World Series. But for Chicago, this is definitely a, a great move to get them back into conversation to being, you know, a contender in the NL Central because obviously last season was a year where they were rebuilding. This year, they've made some big-time moves. They got James to tie on for the rotation. 
Now they get Dansby Swanson to help their offense. How will the Cubs fare? Still a little bit needs to be done, but this is definitely a good starting point. Well, they also lost Javi Baez in the previous offseason. You have to remember that. And that is they're, true. Looking like, they're looking like geniuses right now letting him uh, letting him go. Yes, Baez was really rough. I mean, he had a okay he was looking stretch. Like an MVP, he was looking like an MVP candidate a couple of years ago. Not MVP caliber player, but at least an MVP candidate, top five, yeah. top ten player in the league. And now he's uh, more than forgettable. I mean, yeah, I mean, he had a really bad season on the Tigers last year. And you're right. I mean, the Tigers are really paying for it with that contract. They, he's only in the second year of that deal. So Cubs look very strong. I mean, the question is not going to be, can Swanson be that big-time player that the Cubs are looking for to help them bring in more free agents down the line and help them get back to the World Series? We'll have to see. He's, he's a really good, strong player, but... You know, he's been, you know, kind of overshadowed sometimes on his own team in the Atlanta Braves. They have so many star players. Now it's Swanson's turn to be that top guy. Can he, you know, take charge and make that happen? Time's going to tell with that, but this is definitely a good starting point for the Cubs if they want to get back to the postseason. So I want to head over to New York now, or I should say head back to New York. Let's start with the, with the Mets, and then we can head over to the Yankees in a little, in a sure. little bit. I want to start with Brandon Nemo re-signing with the New York Mets. There were rumors ooh, that he was going to go, yeah. rumors that he was going to go out west, and I was kind of doubting that at the beginning. You know, the great Italian from Wyoming, if I call him, he's uh, finally in his cultural or is closely getting the United States, his cultural homeland. I, I kind of feeling he wasn't going to go out west. Uh, those Wyoming winters are brutal anyway, so I don't think he would be going out there for weather. He wants to be in a baseball city, and he wants to play for an owner that's not afraid to spend money, and you know is willing to build around the team no matter how much it's going to cost. Yeah, Steve Cohen has definitely opened up his checkbook, and he has paid a lot of free agents. Obviously, got Justin Verlander to sign. He made another big splash for the rotation, which we'll get into a little bit. But this is a big-time move because Nemo was rumored at one point to maybe leave, and there was a rumor that the Rockies were going to give him a big-time contract. The Mets said, you know what? We're going to give him the big-time contract. He gets eight years, $162 million, a great contract for him. And for the Mets, listen, you solidify your center field position. You keep Nimmo for all this time. He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves Brandon Nimmo. So to get him back is huge for the Mets. Now the question is going to be, you know, people will will question on how long their window is currently, considering how some of their, you know, contracts are currently displayed. That's going to be an interesting conversation to say the least. But... I'm going to go out on a limb, Nick. I'm going to say if their window is two years, depending on what they can do with their top two pitchers. If they're going to find replacements for both uh, Verlander and Scherzer, then their window's a little bit longer. If they can't find any replacements, it's two years. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because they did try to solidify the rotation after those top two. And, I, you know, a lot of people think that they did it. They signed Japanese superstar Kodai uh, Senga. I think that's how you pronounce it. Excuse me if I didn't pronounce that correctly. But he gets a... Five-year, $75 million contract to become now essentially the third biggest pitcher in that Mets rotation. That's a huge signing for New York because now you have Verlander, you have Scherzer, and now you have Senga to you know fill out that top three. Obviously, still have Carlos Carrasco. So the Mets have a really strong rotation going into this season. Edwin Diaz is still locked up in their bullpen. And they've also made some other big moves for the bullpen. They got David Robertson to sign. You know, obviously a former Yankee. That's a great contract. It's a, it's really not a bad deal. A one-year rental for a veteran that has played on a couple World Series teams. 
he has a great opportunity to help the Mets get there. He has that postseason experience. Can he fill that, you know, the void that they're looking? They're looking for that next reliever, you know, to help set them up for Edwin Diaz. This definitely helps. There's also rumors they might be looking into Liam Hendricks from the White Sox. So the Mets are looking to make this year the year of, you know, the Mets, as I should say. It, they want to make it, it like 86 again. Exa- exactly. You per- perfectly said. They want to make it like 86 again. They want to get back to the World Series. Last year was a disappointing end of the season, considering how the season went. Could have won the division. They faltered at the end, and then they lost to the Padres in the wild card series. They need to get things going now, and these moves are definitely going to help. What will happen as the rest of the season goes on, that's going to be a determining factor, but Buck Showalter's got a great squad going in to this 2023 season. Now, we mentioned Seth Lugo earlier going to the Padres. We really don't have to dwell on that, but that is a major loss of this missile rotation. He really wanted that starter role. He's probably going to get in the Padres. Uh, I want to see how he's going to perform because as a long reliever, he was pretty good for the Mets. He was a guy that, you know, you'd be pretty confident in uh, leaving out there for a couple innings in between because, like you said, they didn't really have a setup man for Diaz, and that's what they were really, really missing last postseason. Yeah, I mean, they've... They needed that setup guy desperately because they couldn't get to Diaz a lot of times. They brought back Adam Adevito also to help the rotation, to snap the rotation, the bullpen. So the Mets are trying to make these moves. They want to get this done. They've gotten some, you know, a lot of veteran experience to help that pitching. They brought back Nimmo. Can they make the run that they've been looking for for the since they made the World Series a couple years ago? This, they have a good shot this year, but there's a lot of good competition in the NL, so it's definitely going to be tough. All right, let's head over to your New York Yankees. Uh, do you want to start with the players leaving, or do you want to start with the big, big signing? Uh, I think we have to get into the big signing first, because this was a, an early Christmas gift, Johnson, for me. The Yankees signing Carlos Rodon, the former San Francisco Giant, Six years, $162 million, a great contract for both sides. Rodon gets paid. The Yankees now essentially get that number two starter that they've been looking for. And the Yankees rotation going into next season looks very formidable. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and probably Frankie Montez as a top five. That is a scary rotation for the Yankees for this upcoming season. Obviously, there's still some bullpen concerns. We'll see if they make any moves for that. But the Yankees have a really good rotation coming up for this year. I mean, you're going to have Domingo in there. He could be a, a long yeah, reliever Domingo, for you guys. Yeah, it's Domingo too. He could be a long reliever. You're absolutely As right. Domingo doesn't really pitch strikeouts, but he pitches uh, He pitches a clean out. So if you put him in there, let him go against the rotation one time, let him get nine outs, I'd, I would feel pretty confident. If you put someone in there, uh, let's say you have Frankie Montas, he gets blown up a little bit early. You pull him like, let's say, four and, uh, four and a third. Put Domingo in there, probably take him out in the uh, the sixth or the seventh. I mean, that would be a good day. I mean, Domingo has that versatility, and he's going to be uh, a pretty good addition to the bullpen. But uh, going past Rodon, we also have to talk about the subtraction uh, subtractions. Andrew Benintendi, uh, it'll be half. That that Andrew. that uh, no. Here's what I was going to say. That one's a big subtraction. Like we, I talked about Matt Carpenter earlier. Obviously, yeah. there was you know some fans kind of wanted him back, but after what he did in the postseason. Everyone was I like, you know what? Exactly. Everyone was saying, you know what? It's okay. I let him walk. The Joey Gallo going to the Minnesota Twins. No Yankee fans going to be upset by that. Joey Gallo was really bad for the Yankees. 
So I got to listen to New York Yankee legend. He's the only New York Yankee that can't yeah. go out in public without yeah. getting harassed. Sure, sure. What, whatever that's, you say. And not the good kind of harassment. But the big one is Andrew Benintendi. And this one kind of stings because Benintendi was at one point. He was really looking good. good. Yeah, he was looking really good up until he got injured going into the postseason. And the Yankees never got him back. We never saw Benintendi play in October. And the Yankees are not going to see him play again in a Yankee uniform. He's going to the Chicago White Sox. Five years, $75 million. The biggest story in this for the Yankees is they weren't willing to go to the five-year mark for the contract. They were going as many as three years for Benintendi. So the contract just never worked at the end of the day. Benintendi gets paid. He now goes to the south side to try to help the White Sox after a really disappointing season they had last year. They're trying to get back to the postseason. But this will definitely help their outfield. And for the Yankees, now they have to figure out who is going to be one of those corner outfielders that they're going to have for this upcoming season? Because outfield has certainly been a problem for them the past couple years. I will say years. this again. Brent Gardner is inevitable. I love how that meme still goes on. But you're right. <laughs> you might not be wrong. Brent Gardner might be inevitable. Listen, sign Brett Gardner. That's why you guys didn't win a championship last year. He was the missing uh, missing piece to your championship. I think anyone would take him over Aaron Hicks. So oh, I'll Aaron Hicks that. is god-awful. Yeah, People are literally, so bad. I don't want to, I don't want to name names, but I know many good friends are celebrating like, oh no, Aaron Hicks got injured. Whatever shall we do in the postseason? So uh, I'm willing to admit that was one of me. That, that was definitely yeah. one of those. Uh, I wasn't I, I, was, I wasn't trying to name names, but uh, I guess I guess you I, had I, yourself. I will take full responsibility. I Johnson, you could ask anyone. I have not I've never been an Aaron Hicks fan, even before he was a Yankee. I, I know hated him on the Minnesota Twins. He was he was just uh, for some reason a menace to me. And when we traded for him, I wasn't happy about it. And then they resigned him, and I wasn't. I was even. I was even more angry with the, uh, the you know, the whole situation. But now they're kind of in a pickle where you're paying him a, a decent amount of money. You can't really do anything about it, and he might have to start, unfortunately, which is going to suck because he's not that good of a player. Uh yeah. And uh, so let's stop. This isn't the. Uh... Talk bad about Aaron Hicks podcast. This is the free agency podcast. So let's that, keep that it podcast rolling. will come out soon. <laughs> That'll be two hours long, and you'll uh, it'll be, it'll have a featured film on it too. The roast of Aaron Hicks. <laughs> Get Ryan uh, Hicks to talk about that. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's talk about Bassett going to the Blue Jays. Uh, this was a little puzzling for me. I, I don't know why uh, why Bassett would leave and go to Toronto, but. You think he wants to hire... Uh, I think the Mets were in the same situation as DeGrom, where they didn't want to give Bassett the three-year contract. And I mean, they, were already Steve, looking, they were already looking at Kota Senga, like Senga, so they weren't even looking at Bassett. I mean, if I'm Uncle Steve, at that point, he's already opened up the bank. What's an extra... Um, you got you to think, think about it, though, because they already have Verlander, they have Scherzer, now you have Senga, you have Jose Quintana, who they also signed, and you still have Carlos Carrasco. They essentially already have that starting five, so they realistically don't even need Bassett. And they were, and you realistically, you don't want to pay someone twenty-one million dollars when he's essentially going to be your number five or number six starter. You don't know where he is in the rotation. So for Listen. Toronto, it's a good move for them because they get another rotation, you know, rotation piece outside of Alex Manoa. And if Jose Barrios can find his form again, then that'd be great for Toronto. No, this is a good move for other AL East teams, but it's definitely a solid move for the Blue Jays as they try to get back to the postseason. Yeah, no, definitely a good move for Toronto. Uh, had a disappointing year. I mean, the team is still relatively young. 
Vlad Guerrero unfortunately had a slump this season, but I expect he'll be back to form next season. I don't think he broke his swing uh, like some other players like Cody Bellinger after the uh, after a home run derby, but I think he'll be back and uh, he'll be ready to go soon. But Chris Bassett is going to be that number two guy in, for the Blue Jays now, so the pressure is going to be on him. He's going to be co-leading a team with Alec Manoa, which had a very, very good year to say the least. Yeah. Manoa was great. They need Barrios to get back to his old form for the, you know, Minnesota Twins. He had a really bad season last year. If you can get those two to keep going and you get Bassett, the Blue Jays, as you said, it was a disappointing way they ended last season because they looked like they were going to tie the wild card and force a game three. And then they absolutely collapsed and let the Mariners come back and win that deciding game two, which eliminated from the postseason. Toronto is already in a tough division in the AL East. It's not going to be easy to get to the postseason, but a move like this can definitely help them, especially with the fact that he has, you know, some postseason experience to his belt. So Bassett definitely could help this rotation. Yeah, no, you're definitely not wrong about that. And I want to talk about the, uh, let's go to the, uh, well, let's talk about the Dodgers. Former Do- Los Angeles Los Angeles Dodgers, Justin Turner, going to the Red Sox. Could you believe yeah. that someone actually wants to sign with Boston? <laughs> it, it was a funny move because if, there was a rumor had that a really Turner, good year too. Turner was rumored to be going back to the Dodgers too, which was funny about the whole um, the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, he goes from getting you know going back to the Dodgers, trying to potentially win another World Series, to signing a multi year contract with the Boston Red Sox, two years, twenty one mil. So the Red Sox, listen. This is one of those puzzling moves that, in my opinion, because it's not like the Red Sox are in the spot. Like, listen, you lost Bogarts. That's that's putting your team back. And you don't know what the situation is with Rafael Devers. So getting Justin Turner essentially saying, listen, this, this is, is an insurance play- policy. This is an insurance policy, but I'll and this is the reason why I say it. this is the insurance policy for the person they lost, JD Martinez, who we'll get to in a, in a second. That's a huge loss for this offense for DH wise. Now Turner has to essentially replace him as the DH. He might play some first base as well because they cut Eric Hosmer. They let him go um, DFA'd. So you might see Turner play some first, play some a little bit of third, and he'll most likely be the full-time DH now with just J.D. Martinez going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this is a great move for the Dodgers. Listen, it's been a rough offseason for them, but to get a nice veteran in J.D. Martinez definitely helps this team try to get back into another situation where they can try to win another World Series. He gets a one-year, $10 million deal. Really no harm in the contract at all. It gives the Dodgers another bat for an offense that's already dangerous as it is, even with the loss of Trey Turner. This definitely can help them get back, but it's tough to see a guy like Justin Turner leave. He's been basically a lifetime Dodger for most of his career, and he walks to Boston. Martinez goes to LA, so kind of a uh, swap between those two, as now they will have to see how their careers traject after this, uh, after these moves, I should say. I can see why he did it. He already has a World Series. He's not going light, to light the world on fire at the age of 37. He's kind of, he wants to retire at his own terms, and he wants to get paid one last time. Maybe he's got a uh, a mansion he wants to uh, he wants to buy and say, okay, I'll have the Red Sox organization just pay for it. I mean, you don't, you don't know what the really um, uh, rationale is at this point of your career when it's this late. Uh, he just wants to get paid, and uh, he already won a World Series. He kind of just wants to relax, and I think it's going to be a low-pressure situation in Boston because they're not really playing for anything. 
So I can't really blame him. I do want to talk about Noah Syndergaard, though, becoming the newest Los Angeles Dodger. He's also going to bet on himself once again. Didn't really, I don't want to say didn't pan out because he was still coming off the injury. Uh, but I think he did just as good as people expected him to do this past season. Yeah, he was all right. Los Angeles and Philly. Yeah, he was all right for the, the Angels. And then he helped the Phillies in their run to the World Series. But it's a great move for the Dodgers again. I mean, listen, you get another pitcher that get that has that postseason experience. He's gonna, you know, try to you know help that rotation outside of Kershaw and Urias. So they really could use that type of pitcher. Syndergaard is definitely going to help. The question's going to be, can he stay healthy? That has been a problem for him his entire career. The Dodgers are hoping that he could stay healthy because listen, it's a one year contract. So if Syndergaard does pitch well. He will get an extension for sure. He's banking on himself to keep his momentum going. It's a one-year $13 million deal, as I said. So, again, it doesn't really hurt either side this contract. Syndergaard is basically trying to play for an extension at the end of next season. Yeah, and I think if there's any organization that gets a injured pitcher back on track, it's going to be the Dodgers. They just yeah. seem to have so much luck. I don't know what the juice is that they're giving these players, what's in their training regiment they're just you know taking their vitamins and saying their prayers and they're becoming better and better pitchers over there so uh, i can't really say uh what they're doing over there but whatever that system does it works yeah i mean listen the dodgers have been a great team the past couple of years but still only one world series championship to their belt and that was the 2020 covid season they gotta figure something out because Essentially, this has just been an utter failure for LA throughout the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, I you would you would think if you won a World Series, let's say any sport, World Series, NBA Finals, Super Bowl, uh, any of a major North Stanley Cup, any of the major North American sports, you if you think okay, you won a championship in this good five year stretch, that'd be a success. But the way the Dodgers have done it is. They should be winning every single year. It's not even like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, no, like baseball is a sport where you can win three or four championships in a row if you're good enough. And the Dodgers on paper should have won the last three or four World Series, but they just come up short every single time. And maybe this is going to be you that turns around. I doubt it, but J.D. Martinez is certainly... Uh, doubling down on that because he's signing with the Dodgers. That's a huge loss for the Red Sox and a huge addition to the uh, to the Dodgers. Now, I'm assuming he's going to play DH there, even though he can't yeah, like, play the outfield. Like, yeah, like we said earlier, I mean, he'll. Be, it's basically a swap with him and Justin Turner. They're going to just, you know, basically they're replacing each other in DH roles. You might, I, I doubt you see Martinez play in the outfield considering he's up there in age. He's about 36 years of age now. So hey, I he gets still hit, and that's all they he need. He gets still hit, and that, that exactly that's all they need. They just need another type of hitter because they've already lost some offense this offseason. Martinez definitely will help fill that DH role that they're looking for right now. And it's again, it's a one year contract. So Martinez is looking to at this rate, he's just trying to win another World Series. He won one in Boston. He's looking to do it again. The Dodgers definitely have a chance to do it because obviously they're always going to be in contention for a World Series as long as this team is still constructed the way it is. But for Martinez, again, he leaves a bad situation, it looks like right now in Boston, and he goes into a better situation with L.A. as they look to win another uh, championship. Yeah, absolutely. J.D. Martinez, always a great addition. Now, 
unfortunately, we have to talk about the Braves again because they got a pretty solid addition in catcher. Sean Murphy going over to the Braves. One of the better catchers in the MLB. I know catcher is probably the weakest position in the MLB by far, but Sean Murphy on the younger side, I believe he's 27 years old, has a pretty good track record. He's been good every single year in the major leagues. He's been above average catcher. And this is just a uh, this is a home run signing. What was it? Was I, it was a trade. I'm sorry, home run trade. Uh, yeah. My apologies. I know the last two were trade. I'm sorry, uh, the last couple were trades, but I don't know what the Athletics are doing now. They're just kind of compiling uh, the A's young prospects. Are in full tank mode. It, it, I know they're in full tank mode, but th- they don't even have a direction right now. I mean, the direction is fine. You know, we're hoping that these prospects you got back from the Braves are going to be the future of this team. And put in perspective, the Oakland A's in this trade, they get veteran catcher Manny Pena. He's going to be the replacement for Murphy at behind the helm. They also get the Braves' number one prospect, the number six prospect, the eighth-ranked prospect, and the 18th-ranked prospect. And they also get a reliever from the Milwaukee Brewers. This was a three-team trade. So the A's essentially are saying, listen, we know nothing's working right now. We just have to keep getting younger and try to, you know, fix something. Kyle Muller is the biggest piece of this deal because he is the Braves' number one ranked prospect. And he had a very good, you know, campaign in the minor leagues for Atlanta. So the Braves essentially saying, listen, we know it's not working right now with catcher. William Gutierrez has been up and down for us. So and Travis Arnold has also been the same way. So getting a guy like Sean Murphy definitely will help the Braves as they try to get back to the World Series. And for Oakland, like I said, they're just they're just gonna keep rebuilding. For that next couple of seasons. And for Milwaukee, they get William Contreras from the Braves in the move. So the Brewers upgrade a catcher and in the sense for them. They go from Pena to Contreras. So that will definitely help them in the end of the day. But realistically, just Oakland is just in a bad spot right now. They don't have money to sign free agents realistically. And not a lot of people are going to the game. So really just a rough time to be an Oakland A fan. Yeah, I think they're hoping that the team gets moved maybe to Vegas. I don't know where that team would even move, but it's really sad. I do want to say this. It seems like the Oakland A's are the last team of the Bay Area. And when I say Bay Area, I'm not including San Francisco. I'm including Oakland because over the last couple of years, all their teams have been stolen. The Raiders have gone to Vegas. The Warriors moved from uh, Oakland to San Francisco. And it's looking like that. This is the last team that they do have is going to be going as well. So once a proud sports town is going to, uh, they're kind of holding on to dear life with their, uh, with the ace. Yeah. Oakland, like I said, is just in a really rough spot right now. Murphy was an up and coming prospect for them. He had been all right. Not the greatest catcher for Oakland, but was still a very, you know, young type of player that had some promise. Now he goes to Atlanta and listen, there's going to be a team that can help fill, fulfill that potential. And Sean Murphy, it's definitely the Atlanta Braves. I know you don't want to hear that, but for Atlanta Braves, listen, they made some questionable decisions this offseason already with Dancy Swanson letting him walk. They need to make sure that next season is a good season for them because otherwise a lot of Braves fans will be wondering, why did we not bring back Swanson and why was our only big move realistically bringing in Sean Murphy? Yeah, I hope that's that's I hope that's the questions I could be asking because God knows I hate that franchise. All right, let's end it now talking with a former Red Sox, but most notably a uh, most recently 
a Houston Astro coming off a World Series win. Christian Vasquez going to the Minnesota Twins. So seems like he got his title that he, uh, or I should say, was he on that team in 2000? Uh, I believe he was, was on that, that Red Sox team too, that one. He, he was, okay. So it looked like he got his second, and I don't think he cares about winning anymore. He's had a solid career, especially for a catcher. And he just wants to kind of go, I guess, hang out in Minnesota because I don't think Minnesota's going to be competing for anything. They have Byron Buxton and a bunch of uh, a bunch of no-names, really. Well, yeah, Minnesota's in a tough spot, too, because they lost Carlos Correa, and they were trying to bring him back desperately, but they could not get that done. This move essentially says that, listen, Gary Sanchez just did not pan out for us. Gary Sanchez now is a free no agent because of that. Listen, I could have told you that to begin with. Um, but Vasquez gets a nice contract, three years, $30 million. So he gets a nice deal at 32 years of age. He'll be 35 at the end of the deal. Uh, like you said, he was a big part of that Astros World Series championship team. Can he help the Twins? Probably not, because like you said, they're not in a sense of where they're going to win a World Series right now. They need a lot of things going. Still have starting pitching issues, bullpen issues, and they need now a new star. The star of the team is once again Byron Buxton. They lost their biggest player in Correa. They're going to have to fill a hole this upcoming season. But as of right now, this is their biggest move of the offseason. So we'll have to see. But for Vasquez, he gets a good contract based off of what he's done for Boston and Houston. Yeah, I mean, Christian Vasquez, he just wants to hang out the last uh, couple of years of his career, get paid. I can't say blame him. If I was, I always said if I was a professional athlete, I would go to the city that is known giving big contracts out and then just not panning out afterwards. So if I was like 31 or 32 years old, I already had a great, you know, first half of my career already, you know, uh, you know, I did what I had to do. I won a championship and I want to get paid. I would go to one of these cities and just kind of hang out and be the guy. I mean, that, that's how I would do it. And I can't, he wants to do the same thing. So I'm not going to fault him whatsoever for it. Yeah, no, you can't fault it. But listen, with the way these contracts have gone, you can't really fault any of these teams and most of these players for getting the contracts that they've gotten this offseason, a lot of teams are in a good position right now to potentially win the World Series next year. The question's going to be, will those teams fulfill that potential? Time is only going to tell in the next couple of months. You never know what happens with injuries. You could still see some big-time trades. And maybe there's still a couple of big signings from players that haven't been, you know, haven't been forementioned and haven't been known as stars that can provide a spark to a potential World Series team. But like I said, time will only tell. But the 2023 MLB season is surely going to be one that could be one for the ages. But I think that is going to do it, Andrew, for our MLB discussion here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. The free agency period has been unbelievable. Now we will have to see how the next couple months go as we get ready for opening day and the MLB. Once again, I am Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Make sure to tune on in to our NFL discussion as we discuss a wild week in the National Football League.